Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening. How y'all doing? Midway through the week. Oh, all right. Hope you're all focusing importantly, more importantly, on rest, joy and pleasure and self-care. That's right. It's not too late. Every single day. Tap into some joy and pleasure, rest, rest, rest. Got a great show planned for you. We're going to be talking about dating. Yes, how we tend to date from our egos and not with the best perspective that keeps us having the ability to meet some good people. Also going to be talking about representation and uh, the SIA controversy, as well as talking about a new thing called boomerang kids. Yep, that'll be later in the show. Um, Stick around to figure that out. Great stuff in the news. Let's talk about something sad. A gay man was shamed by someone on Grindr because he said he was only looking for friends. And they were mocking him, saying, you know, this isn't for that. Um, it, it was horrible what was said. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because, remember, these a lot of these dating apps, um, some of them are specifically for dating. But apps like Grindr have options where you're looking to network, make friends, just have sexuality, date. Um, people have all different sorts of needs and let's not mock someone because they're lonely, sad, or feeling disconnected. Maybe this person moved to a new city. Maybe they're new to the country. Maybe they lost friends for whatever reason, but why are we mocking someone who's looking to make friends? Wait a minute. Why are we mocking someone? <laughs> That's cyberbullying. Like it's so fascinating. People's need to comment negatively on things that have no impact on them or their life. Why did you need to say that? I think that all the time with people's comments on some of my tweets or social media posts, if it isn't something that you liked or made sense to you, keep scrolling. You don't need to put every negative thing you're thinking. No one cares. Honestly, I don't care. He didn't care. But what you do is you impact people's negative health. Negative there. Excuse me. You, what you do is I've had a lot of caffeine. It's been a long clinical day. What you do is you negatively impact their mental health and also yours. And yes, we are responsible for how we impact other people. A hundred percent. Mental health is shown based on how we treat those around us and the quality of our relationships. That's so unfortunate. This poor person is lonely, and you know what you did? You made them feel lonelier and even more disconnected. Shame on you, let's be better. There was no read, there was no need to swoop in with such frustration and disappointment. And also, looking at the conversation, this person was bummed out because I think they wanted more, but that can sometimes happen. Friendship can sometimes lead to romance. So let's just be better about that. That consistently stuff like that bums me out. Um, all right, other stuff going on in the news. Uh, Joe Biden remains committed to giving non-binary Americans gender-neutral passports. Yeah, I mean, the whole reason why we put gender on the passport was to try to understand, identify the person who's in front of us when we're looking at their passport. And so the option should reflect who people are and who's in front of you. It doesn't make any sense to squeeze people into two options only, male or female, right? If that's not who they are and that's not how they present. 
Like, let's live in truth. Let's live in honesty. There are more genders and sexes than male and female, boy or girl. There are a multitude of genders. And passports should reflect that, especially people that don't participate in gender and are non-binary or non-gendered or fluid. And so we're moving towards that whole X category, third gender neutral marker, which is kind of a catch-all for something outside the binary because that's, that's where we are right now. And I'm glad Biden's on, on, on hand with that because that's a mental health issue. Having your documentations, which in government legitimize who you are, reflect who you are. And as I will keep saying, institutions need to meet people where they're at. People shouldn't be squeezing into these arbitrary institutions. There's no, there's nothing, change it, just change it. Very easily done. There's no reason to not update driver's license, birth certificates, passports. It's not a big deal. It's an institution. People mean more and should come first. I say that about everything. People should come before jobs. People should come before money. It shouldn't be acceptable anymore in our culture that a father or a mother or a caregiver misses out on their son's soccer game because they had to work. No, work less. Prioritize your family, prioritize your relationships. I know that's a privilege for a lot, but we need to work towards building a world that can happen, giving people shorter working hours, shorter working weeks, pay them a living wage. Honor that family comes first. Shame on bosses that expect people to put work first. That's toxic capitalism. That's a mess. That should never be. I try to, anyone who works for me or with me, I always try to say, yeah, of course, take that time off. Come in late. That's your family. That's your best friend. Yes, that means more. Yes, that's your mental health. So I'm calling on all bosses and people in positions of power. Prioritize mental health. People should be able to call out of work because they're anxious or depressed. People should be able to ask their workloads lightened because they're having a mentally dysregulated month, week, or day. People should be able to prioritize a family member's soccer game or birthday or childbirth. That is what life is about. Life is not about us just making money for other people. Life is not just about work, work, work. We need to change that. If you want to read more, actually, I have an entire chapter on it in my book, Rebel Love, funny enough. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to say that. That needs to change. I love all the new changes coming. And we're going to talk about this later in the show, but more to come. Because there's a study showing one in six Gen Z adults are LGBTQIA. We'll talk about that later in the show, so stick around for that. I'm here for it. I love stuff like that. We have to get familiar with that. And finally, I want to just, as a public health professional, remind you all, we are still in a pandemic. Please continue to follow social distancing and wear masks. It is hurting my heart when going on social media and seeing people in photos around groups indoors with no masks, no distancing, as though we are not in a pandemic and as though your behavior doesn't impact others. It's awesome that you are confident enough where you don't care if you get infected, but you have the capacity of spreading it to others and that is not okay and that is not awesome. So remind ourselves to do better. All right, coming up next. Talk about dating, all the pitfalls, and the ways we can get around them. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we're back and we're talking about dating, dating, uh, gosh, dating. <laughs> we're talking about dating, but we're talking about dating perspectives, um, <clears throat> You know, when I'm, when I'm working with an individual or even when I'm out in the world, I'm always listening for the dating style, right? That someone occupies and utilizes. And what that means is uh, both the behaviors they engage in, the mindsets that they have, their perspectives on dating, and also just looking at if that's aligned with their goals. And there's a lot of interesting research, and this is coming out of people that work in both um, relational psychology people that work in marital and relational therapy, people that work in behavioral sciences. And a lot of it is coming, research that's coming out of use of the apps because again, regardless of how we feel about them, they're a major source for people meeting others. And you know, again, quick brief on that. I'm glad we have the apps because you are able to date people from places that are far beyond where you might have access to or where you might see them. Long gone is the time when we only <clears throat> had access to the people that a friend could introduce us to or that we can meet maybe locally at a bar or an event. And if you're of any kind of uh, sexual minority, right, then it's even harder because most spaces cater to uh, the hetero romantic dating experience. And if you're not hetero in any form, you have to find spaces where that's both able to be accommodated, where there's a concentrated amount of sexual minorities, and also where it's safe, right? to hit on, to court, to flirt with, and to really embody your identity. And that's why some people, that's why dating apps are amazing. Because again, think back to the time and gosh, I've watched a couple documentaries on this where people that were not hetero would have to drive at times hours to a gay bar to meet individuals that are non-binary, trans, queer, gay, lesbian. And that's really unfortunate, right? Because that's not a lot of immediate access. And then they are also limited by who else is there in general, and also that night, and how hard might it be to date someone who drove hours as well, but in the opposite direction, right? Thereby doubling, maybe, the distance. And that's rough. Dating apps now allow us, along with technology, to maintain connection and to reach out and, and access people. So I'm very thankful for that. And again, you don't even have to be actively on it as long as you have an account that's on there and you can be um, still considered or connecting with people. So give it a try. There's, there's no longer a lot of shame around that. Although every now and then I hear people tell these funny stories about, you know, not, not acknowledging or owning up to meeting on an app. I don't know why there's any shame or guilt about meeting on an app. It's <laughs> I, yeah, I really don't know why just maybe because it's not hundred percent normative in all circles, although it finally seems to mostly be so <clears throat> learn how to utilize them. That's part of my work that I do with people in my office is help them learn how to use those apps most efficiently. And that's what we're going to kind of be talking about in um, at least the next two segments is uh, how do we how do we date and do it in a way that really helps us achieve our goal. Now, the first thing I remember remind people is that we often have an ego list 
And that's the list of the traits we think that our partner needs to have. And it's usually not coming from our best. Um, Often it's coming from our worst. It's coming from an ego when we talk about height and weight requirements, which can rule out large numbers of people, age requirements, um, which rules out a large number of people. People will pick an arbitrary starting point like, oh, I'll date as far as 43. And it's like, oh, well, that's a bummer because there might be a 45-year-old that's absolutely perfect for you. Or, you know, these arbitrary height requirements, which someone's height has literally nothing to do with anything about their ability to be a compatible uh, partner and the level of chemistry that can exist. That's just, you know, prejudice around height and same thing with weight, Um, all sorts of stuff, even gender expression. When people just completely in one swoop deny the possibility of being attracted to someone of a different race, gender expression, right, or height or age, it's fascinating. And that's part of keeping ourselves single right? And that's your choice. But we can't complain about singledom when we are putting arbitrary limits on the possibility of meeting someone. Great. You know, and I just saw it in a sex in the city episode over the weekend, this past weekend, I had it on in the background. I just needed something that had like energy and and kind of joy in it in the background. And I happened to tune in at this part where one of the characters, uh, Charlotte, I think she started dating, um, someone who's shorter and bold and Jewish. And she's, you know, not Jewish. And she traditionally doesn't date men that are bald or shorter. And it was just such a beautiful thing to watch her step into truth, which is she, in fact, had an amazing connection with this amazing person and had great sexual chemistry, the best sex of her life, she said. But that's because she was open. And we have to be open. We have to be open to love appearing and compatibility and chemistry appearing in the forms that maybe we're not familiar with or even most comfortable with, you know, because that's, that's what love is about. And when we have this list of all these requirements, again, that's usually coming from our ego, how much money they need to make. It's like, none of that is what love is about. That's really capitalism seeking into our love lives that we're looking at. What do we get out of this, right? What can we gain? And we're trying to optimize. None of those words are psychologically driven and none of those words should apply to love. Love occurs when it occurs and the best we can do and what we are responsible for is laying the best conditions upon which love can happen. And so we do have to do things. It's not just something that is natural. We do have to create the conditions, just like we have to take down the walls and barriers that we throw up, right? Nothing in our world is natural anymore. Nothing, nothing at all is natural. Everything is now socialized and socially constructed and infused with ideologies and politics. And love is the same way. When I listen to someone explain to me the kind of partner they want, it's all woven in there, sexism, patriarchy, body shame, oftentimes racism, homophobia, all of this stuff as someone's describing what it is they want, they need or what they're looking for. And our work is about dismantling all that to make the world better, but also to give ourselves the best opportunity to find what we're looking for. Cause love does not always show up in the way we think we want it to, or we need it to. Right. And, uh, some of those amazing couples are the ones that from the outside don't make sense to us, right? And then we sadly hear people shame that you know the age gap is too great, so there's a power issue and all sorts of mess. And we've talked about that and we'll talk about that more, but we're gonna take a break and when we come back, we're gonna talk specifically about what are some of the uh, major uh, mindsets and uh, what things we need to be more conscious about. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q. Alrighty, we're back and we're talking about dating. And, uh, Hopefully you're reflecting upon this and having a really hard conversation with yourself saying, listen, I need to identify with some of the things being said and challenge myself, challenge myself to be better and to step outside this ego list of the things I think my partner needs to have, which are not rooted in anything that really speaks to chemistry or compatibility. 
right? It's rooted in a lot of prejudice and a lot of uh, my own lack of self-esteem and ability to just live in my authenticity and what is, you know? Love doesn't always show up in the ways that we think it needs to. And as we've talked about before, people sometimes move through the world with this idea of an imaginary audience. What would people think if I'm with someone uh, as, you know, I'm a female, they might say, and my husband's shorter than me. What will people think? People will think nothing. And if they do, is that your higher ethic? What people think in their comfort? Or is it about you finding a good partner and being in love and living a great life? Love cannot be in service of making other people happy. And people get hung up on someone's religion or their culture. Let all that go. Love doesn't show up that way. And you're not there to make your family happy or comfortable. Their feelings and comfort don't matter around your partner choice. As long as your partner's a, a healthy, great individual that you want to be with. It's their job to support you, period. Um, but let's talk about some of the problematic ideas. So all of us move through the world with different perspectives. And some of it can be collapsed down into two headings. Soulmate or the you know ones willing to do the work. And we have to be willing to do the work, which means we are open <laughs> to difference, right? We're open to being changed. We're open to transformation versus this soulmate idea, which is very passive, that it's just going to happen and it should be perfect, right? And there's nothing disruptive. And if anything lets me down or anything disappoints, it disappoints me or anything's frustrated, well, then they're not right for me. That is, that is the perspective of someone who keeps themselves single. They over-idealize and romanticize perfection. Even when they say they don't, they do. And they bounce at the smallest infraction. To be in a long-term relationship is to do the work and stick around. It's to call to see them again, even if they've gone silent for a minute, just to make sure all's well, while honoring boundaries and consent, but not backing away the minute you have to step into your confidence. Um, being in a relationship is about ignoring our gender. And regardless of what your gender is, you still are willing to court and to flirt and to maybe hit on someone. We have to let go of these ideas that it's a specific gender's job to do that because a lot of people of the gender that we traditionally assume has to be the assertive one are no longer willing to do that or are incapable of doing that. We all have to be willing to put the work in. You can't just sit back passively waiting for people to come to you and approach you. You can't look for perfect. You can't run as soon as there's a frustration or disappointment. That is the soulmate idealized romanticized Disney version. That's not real. We have to be willing to do the work We have to put effort in. I say that to all my clients. I don't care who they are, their gender or their age. You have to put effort in. Are you reaching out to them? Are you flirting with them? Did you get them a Valentine's Day gift? Did you hit on them when you were interested? Did you follow up? Did you reach out? Did you plan a date? Did you pay for the date? Right? We're in 2021. We're moving away from these old school sexist patriarchal, patriarchal ideas that the male presenting or, or butch person has to pay and ask us out and be the aggressive one. Nah, we're letting that all go. That keeps us trapped. Because again, if you're dating someone who's in that patriarchal sexist mindset, expect them to date from a patriarchal sexist mindset. And sometimes it might serve you because you can be passive, but it, you cannot then complain when it shows up in its shadow side, the darker sides, because that's who they are. So expect the dark with the light. That is no good. It's quite toxic. We want to be with people that are just about authenticity and equality and mutuality. And that might sometimes mean you have to step up. I loved it when my older brother, cis hetero guy, said, it's absolutely important to me that in early dating, the girl initiates dates and, 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 and asks to pay or split the bill. He's like, I don't want to be responsible fully for someone. I'm an adult. I want to date an adult, a confident adult who doesn't live in those sexist patriarchal ideas. That's profound. But more importantly, we have to be willing to do the work. We, we often and too many, too many people bounce the minute their confidence is on the line 
or they're feeling insecure or they're feeling a little let down, they have to be willing to hang in there. Dating's harder now, the tyranny of too many options. We think that a lot of options actually make it easier. No, we know from a lot of research and a lot of studies, it, it makes it quite harder. We get overwhelmed, we back away, we think there's always something better. We don't stick around, we don't do the work. I see so many people unwilling to stick around and do the work because they're like, there's always someone, there's always someone else coming around the corner until there no longer is. Or that doesn't even matter about that there being that many people that are available because you aren't willing to stick and work through with any of them. And that's where the attachment style stuff comes in. Some people are way too avoidant. The minute a person fully shows up and is present, they lean back and healthy people, healthy people keep going. When, you, when they lean in, you have to lean in. Or people that are anxious and you're enacting toxic forms of dating and monogamy all over them where you want monogamy immediately or you expect to be a priority too soon and you get upset when they put their friends or family first because they haven't really gotten to know you or you place really unrealistic demands on their time from the door, you know? And that all gets brought up in dating and that's why dating is such a beautiful way for us to learn where our work is. Constantly being shown where your wounds are, your soft spots, right? What our triggers are. We have to work on being better than that, pushing beyond that. We have to stay in there. That's the key to a long-term relationship. All right, we're going to talk more about this, but coming up next, we have to slide into those DMs. Drop them in our Loveline IG page. And if you want to check out past episodes of Loveline, you can always do it over at wearechannelq.com. Coming up next, DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. All right, we're back. And now it's time to slide into those DMs. Gliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I have a question. I'm a gay man. And whenever I get intimate with another person, pre-COVID, I like the qualifiers. It's true. It's necessary. Are we pre-COVID, post-COVID? Are we in the future? Are we, are we vaccinated in this story? I almost feel bad right after or even for a couple days afterwards. It's a really bad feeling <clears throat> that I can't seem to get out of my head. And I tend to overthink it constantly. I'd like to find a way to treat it because it's messing up my sex life and possible relationships that I might be able to develop with my partners. I was raised mainly by my mother who never had any sexual encounters and was always alone during my teenage years. Do you think that might have to do with it? Thank you so much. And I really appreciate your work. Yeah, it's a good question. You know, uh, yes, the uh, messaging we get around sex and please know that someone having raised us with silence around sex is a message, right? Uh, does impact the way we feel about ourselves as a sexual being. And so that's a commentary on our on parents you are giving your children a message about health, uh, sex, whether it's healthy, shameful, whatever it is, and also our social groups. Because remember, our parents aren't our number one influencer. They're the original, right? They're the, uh, yeah, they're the original, but everything we do after undoes or strengthens. And so if you come from a family that was really sex negative, it's important to surround yourself with sex positive people. You know, I wrote two books, Sex Outside the Lines and my newer one, Rebel Love, and they were both about people working on mental health, but more importantly, sexual and relational health and sex positivity. So my recommendations, read those books. You need to surround yourself with important material. We can't just change our thinking on our own sitting in our room. We also can't even just get into therapy and think one session a week is going to change our thinking. We need to be reading materials that reinforce and remind us who we want to be and how we want to think. We have to talk to our friends about those things. If you want to be more sexually confident, talk openly about sex with your friends. You know, let them know I'm working on being more sex positive. I want to talk openly about the sex I'm having, the sex I want. Like, let's be those kind of friends that normalize that talk and, and strengthen our confidence because sex is nothing we need to sit in silence about. 
When we're talking about touch and engagement, consent is needed, yeah. But in terms of conversations, there's nothing wrong with discussing sex openly in a sex positive way. And sex positive means in a non-traumatic, uh, non non-aggressive, non-toxic, problematic way. But being sex positive means we can acknowledge that we are sexual beings, that sex happens, and there's nothing wrong with it. We need to, we need to surround ourselves with that. Now, every family raises us in a sex positive family, a sex negative family, or a sexually anxious family. Sexually anxious family is they'll acknowledge sex, but they won't use the right words. They make up words for it. They'll say down there and they just, they won't even step in. And that makes us anxious. And that doesn't us give us the confidence or even the languaging to be able to talk about who we are. Sex negative is where they say, we don't even talk about sex in the family. It is bad and it's dirty. And then we move away thinking, oh my God, I should have shame about this. Sex positive family would be, yeah, that's your, that's your penis. That's your vagina. We use the right words. There's no reason to not. We don't, we don't have to drop our voices when we talk about that. People are sexual and it's age appropriate, right? And if it comes on television, the parents will pause and say, let's talk about what you just saw. And then the fourth, which is the worst, is sexually traumatic, where there is poor boundaries, sex is not consensual in the house, and it's problematic. But if you're raised in a sex negative or sexually anxious family, which is what most families in America and around the world are raised in, you have to do work as an adult in forming a new positive relationship with sex and your sexual body. So yes, it, it absolutely was in some part tied to your mom's experience of staying in silence and not making sex something that we acknowledge. Everything you've done after has reinforced that, and that's why you feel bad afterwards. You think you did something bad or wrong, but sex is good. Sex is fun. We, we have sex for fun. We have sex for entertainment. We have sex to make ourselves feel good. We have sex to build relationship, and you have to just normalize that and give yourself permission. So I think you need to have way more sex. Go have a lot of sex, and each time afterwards work through the self-talk saying what I did is okay, what I did is healthy as long as it's consensual, right? <clears throat> you have to experience that. Read my books. Tell your friends I want to talk more openly about sex. Follow some awesome sex positive stuff on social media to daily drop your psyche into that. And if at the end of the day you still can't resolve it, which all that I mentioned usually is good enough, find a certified sex therapist. Regular therapists are not trained in sex, sexology or sex therapy. Find a certified sex therapist and do the therapeutic work. It's worth it because you learn about yourself in general. You know, all right, y'all. That is that. Coming up next, I'm gonna talk about some new stuff we're seeing—a new study about LGBTQIA children, as well as boomerang kids. It's a new phenomenon that's kind of born out of the economy, but also pandemic. Uh, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. All right, we're back and we're talking about red flags because as I shared earlier, a lot of these emerge very early on, but we write them off, we don't feel confident uh, speaking to them or really holding someone accountable. And a lot of the things that show up down the road were very present and accessible, like I said, earlier on in early dating. But uh, you know, again, someone's attractive enough, we hang in there, right? We have ideas as to who they could be. It's funky, funky time, but early on is when we really have to assess and we hope everyone's showing up as their true self so we can figure that out. So, you know, again, it's common to struggle to figure these things out. I wish everyone was a little more transparent. Um, before we even get into the red flags, I was looking at an interesting article and it was talking about how, um, you know, there's ghosting, right? Where someone will go on a date with you or connect with you or text with you or whatever it is and then they just completely disappear. No commentary at all on having lost interest or realizing you're not compatible. 
Um, so that's ghosting. But the research was looking at how people fading away, doing the slow drift, is actually more psychologically damaging and toxic than someone ghosting. And when you think about it, it makes sense. Ghosting, it's pretty final and solid. Ghosting implies that person has gone silent and that's that. No matter if you called or reached out, they're just not there. That, that's a, uh, although it's not a verbal communication, that's a powerful and solid, consistent communication of a lack of interest or availability. But the fading out is what allows people with enough um, of a hook to hang some hope or interest on still. And so it's actually more painful. And so that's, you know, again, before we get into the red flags, like that's also something to sit with. That is why we have so many dating issues is because a lot of people have been beaten up by these different things and keep perpetuating it by doing it to others. And if we could just get to a place where people are transparent and honest, my God, I, I've said this before, let me say it one more time. If you realize that you are unwilling and would be unwilling, because you have historically, if you are not willing to tell someone after connecting with them or going on a few dates with them, if you're not willing to at least send them a text saying, hey, thanks for hanging out. Unfortunately, I'm not interested, take care. If you are unwilling to do that, please stop dating immediately because you are not mature enough to, to date uh, because of your lack of skills, but also because your lack of care and compassion for how you impact others. And you are therefore part of the problem. You are perpetuating the trauma and the damage that people are trying to heal and trying to hope and believe in better in moving forward. So take a break and work on being more assertive, work on building more honesty and transparency in other relationships of your life so as to bring all of that into dating because we're harming people, right? We need to clean it up. It's a mess. And that's why there's so much difficulty and everyone's so sensitive because everyone's beat up, everyone's been let down, right? And so we have to do better about that. So focus on that, zero in on that, be a part of that change, right? Um, don't think that, and I hear people say this all the time, well, I'm just gonna slowly drift, I'm just gonna be less available. And it's like, that is painful. That is psychologically damaging and abusive actually. Like let's use the real words. That's a form of psychological and emotional abuse to connect with someone and then mislead them. You're aware that you're not interested, but you're gonna tend, you're gonna pretend that you are a little bit or at some points or sometimes and show up kinda. There's nothing okay about that. And that's a sign of your lack of mental health, but also your lack of relational health. Be better. So if you realize that you are one of those people where you just ghost or you slowly drift, take a break from dating, get into some therapy, do some work on yourself, practice assertion skills, practicing really being honest in all the relationships in your life, practice telling people what they, what they need to be told and what they need to know, and then step back into dating. Because if you're not willing to break up with people, you are not mature enough to be dating. It's part of the game. Dating is often hurting or being hurt as we are let down and disappointed, but we do it lovingly and honestly. And no, there is no magical way to break up with someone without hurting them if they like you. So don't send me that DM. Hey, how do I break up with someone without hurting them? You can't. You're letting them down. You're telling them something they want can't be had, right? You do it anyway. That's the contract that we sign when we enter the dating world. I wish, I wish we took it more seriously. I wish we practiced these things, but we don't. And we hurt people and we hurt ourselves. And if you're on the receiving end of it, you know how painful that is. Please don't then act that out and take that forward by doing that to someone else, right? End that. Let's stop socially pushing that forward, you know? But it was a really interesting study to look at. Um, here's some of the quotes. The slow fade is the charade that someone puts on when they decide to end a relationship, but don't honestly and openly share that decision. The slow fade, the slow drift isn't kind. It's a form of gaslighting that can cause emotional damage. 
providing clarity about the breakup allows the other person to process it. It's the kindest way to end a relationship. It's never easy, but we have to be willing to do it anyway. Just disappearing is horrible. It leaves people confused. They're reaching out to their friends. They're saying, what should I do? What do you think this means? Don't, if that's not an okay place to have someone have to live because you're unwilling to be honest and forthcoming. So start practicing that, please, in the very least, you know? Um, all right, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna glide into those DMs, courtesy of Astroglide. So if you got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveland IG page. And then when we come back, we're gonna drop right into what are those red flags that emerge very early on and tell us a lot about who this person is relationally in terms of mental health so as to not be surprised down the road when these same things that were there in the beginning are still there down the road, you know what I mean? So stick around. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Coming up next, Dr. Jess joins us, presented by Astroglide. This interview brought to you by Astroglide and Channel Q. Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q. Welcome to the show, Dr. Jess, expert, scholar, sexologist, author, and a good friend of mine. How you doing? I'm so good. Good, good to see your face, hear your voice. Good to see you as well. So we're going to be talking a little bit about sex tonight and uh, specifically masturbation. So masturbation important for emotional health, psychological health, uh, physical health. Talk to us a little bit about what the most important benefits of masturbation are. I mean, first and foremost, it's just really the best way to get to know your own body, right? Most of us learn to orgasm when we're doing it to ourselves. And so it makes sense that people who do masturbate also are likely to report higher levels of orgasm when they're with a partner uh, and just greater sexual satisfaction. You're becoming an expert in your own body, right? We have all these other benefits, like there's the physical side, right? It can help you to have a good night's sleep, which of course is associated with a whole other host of health benefits, right? Cardiovascular function, mental health outcomes, cognitive functioning, like you're in a better mood, openness to others, conflict resolution, the list kind of goes on and on. Basically, if you basically if you can do anything to sleep well, it's good for your health. Uh, for some people, it's a source of pain relief. Uh, you mentioned emotional health, right? It can help you to relax and de-stress. Um, it kind of helps to just ease the tension, which I know people like me need right now, like any, any outlet, right? <laughs> That's right. And it's interesting because with sex being such a triggering topic still in our culture and even masturbation, you know, masturbation, I often hear it talked about as like a lesser form of sex, but as you're calling out, it has such a profound impact on us. Um, I know also sometimes it might be a matter of the approach people take with masturbation. So I hear people mention mindful masturbation, help us understand that better. Yeah, when we think about mindful masturbation, we're often talking about masturbating or touching yourself for pleasure without the focus on a specific outcome, right? So when you think about early days of masturbation, I don't know if you'll agree, like you were kind of doing it in the dark, in secret, as quickly as you could sort of not to get caught. That's a very common experience. I'm sure you hear from clients. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never met someone who said I felt comfortable, like I could take all the time I needed. I could carve out some space and time. It was always like, get it done, make sure no one finds out, and then even maybe feel bad about it afterwards. Absolutely. So mindful masturbation is trying to rewrite that script. So you're just going to touch yourself for pleasure, right? If it if it feels good, go ahead. If it feels erotic, go ahead. Uh, it may or may not lead to orgasm. In fact, we'll often, and I know you, I'm sure you do this with clients all the time, recommend that they touch themselves for the purpose of not having an orgasm, just so you can tune into the bodily responses. And it's so funny when someone says that they're doing something just for the sake of pleasure, I think we undermine the value of that. And it's like, we're allowed to center moments in our life in just pleasure. 
that's that's such a good point. And don't we do that in all the areas out of the bedroom, right? Like, you know, other than other than food and sex, right. we're like, why do you travel, right? It's for Fun. your own pleasure. Yes. Why do you engage in conversations or go to a party or, you know, go to, a, you know, go to a cocktail class or whatever it is people do for fun? It's pleasure. So why the shame specifically around sex and for some people around food? And that's why I love what we're talking about, because I think masturbation can be, as you kind of called out earlier, yet another vehicle for under undermining and unlearning that shame. Absolutely. And doing it in a low pressure environment, because there's no one there watching. There's no one there you have to worry about. It's it's just you, you, you. <laughs> so let's talk about how to kind of push it into a new level, make it more new, more exciting, because I, I think often people get a little habited and patterned into how they approach masturbation. So what, what are the ways you talk about that with people? Uh, well, I think it's the same way we talk about it in terms of partnerships, right? Just changing things up, novelty, new positions, a new toy, a new lube, and a new place, you know, play with your breath, right? So, for example, one time when you're kind of getting close to orgasm or a height of pleasure, slow your breath and see how that feels. Another time, speed up your breath, you know, use, use accoutrements, use porn or erotic fiction or webcams or chat rooms to rile yourself out, up, you know, fantasize, let your mind wander with no apology with no inhibition. And here's a big one that I think we've all been trained to keep our sounds really quiet, right? Because again, it comes back to the beginning when right. we were probably at home, many of us in our family home. And so we stifle those sounds. And when you stifle the sounds, it can impede sexual response, right? It can actually affect or stop you from having an orgasm or have a, having a less intense orgasm. So let those sounds flow, even try exaggerating them. Sometimes yes, I've done that where I'm like, yeah, like, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I was gonna say, and I love, I love it with your point earlier about how it can very much be translated into partnered sexuality because we do that with partners as well. And if you vocalize, like you said, it's, it's more presence, it's more embodied, it's more mindful, but it's also like a higher level of release. Absolutely. Absolutely. I fully agree. So your, does your, um, uh, your, your, your partner with the expressions must've been something that had to get a little more familiarized. Cause I know most people aren't used to a partner who's really confident in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I know you've seen the research around, for example, deaf folks make very different sounds than hearing folks when we have sex. And it's because those of us who even think we're totally comfortable and totally empowered and do what feels good, we are altering our sounds, right? I noticed that maybe I feel like making like a really hog-like sound, like, oh, but maybe I feel it doesn't align with my gender or the role that I'm playing. So maybe I naturally, subconsciously adjust it to a higher pitch, like, ah. And so when you're by yourself, you you kind of get rid of that self-consciousness. And then, as you said, you carry it over when a partner joins you. And maybe you need to let them know, you know what, that's that's what I sound like when I love things, or that's what I sound like when I lose control. And I love that with you, I'm able to lose control. Oh, so beautifully said. I love that sound bite. That was great. And then let's talk about toys and then lube. Um, you know, there's a lot of things we can use that we can fold in to kind of amplify everything we're talking about. So with toys and lube, uh, what are the ways you recommend people stepping into that? Because I know that can be intimidating for some people. Right, yeah, so I always start with a three-part approach when you're kind of introducing something new, especially with a partner. Start with a positive, ask a question, and then make your request. So you might say like, oh, it feels so good when we do ABC. Is there anything you'd like to try? 
I was listening to you know, Dr. Chris and I heard about how lube can up my hand job skills or about how a toy can make things more exciting. And it, and it really makes sense because variety is good for our sex lives, right? So when you just bring one little new thing in, whether it's a toy or lube, it can inspire you to try other new approaches and techniques and ways to orgasm, right? You might learn like, hey, I actually don't need to touch that part of my body to have an orgasm. This is something entirely different. And it may be not what's a part of our regular kind of sociocultural scripts for people whose bodies look like me, but this is really, really powerful. I love that, just small minor tweaks and, and focusing a little bit more on lube. I always thought, found what was interesting with lube is in working with some people that are um, maybe penis owners or, or just, I guess, everybody that sometimes people didn't masturbate with lube and then the ability to orgasm with a partner would sometimes be a little bit different because it's a different sensation. Also some chafing can happen. So I always say to everyone, please masturbate with lube always. It will always serve you. Yes, yes. The wetter, the better. That's right. <laughs> yes. Lube, lube, lube. Can't do too much. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that, you know, there's this idea that lube is something that we use to deal with a deficit. But I, I think the next generation, like we really know that lube is just making sex hotter, right? It kind of grows the number of techniques and approaches and positions and and play, play ways you can play either on your own or with a partner. So yeah. Because use it's it supposed to be fun, right? Right. It's not supposed to be functional. You don't need to time yourself. You don't need to always be hard. You don't need to always be wet. We've got these, you know, I think about it this way. So I wear contacts every single day of my life. I wear contacts so that I can see or I wear sunglasses, right? So I can see 2020, but I, I'm not, I don't hide it. I'm not embarrassed about it. I don't feel like something is missing. It's just what I need to see in a way that works for me. That's right. So beautifully said, because I think some people think, what will my partner say if I, if I bring something else in? And it's like, well, not only is that just how we move through wor the world, but I tell them that the toy is an extension of your partner. They're using it on you. They're using it with you. You know, they're present. We don't need to be afraid of those things. Absolutely. And it could never, ever, ever replace a living, breathing human being. Like your sex isn't just the physical. Yeah, the physical is fun, but it's the connection. And before I let you go, let's quickly talk about masturbation with a partner, which I think is a profoundly vulnerable and beautifully arousing thing. Yes, mutual masturbation, it gets thrown out there like try mutual masturbation, but I know it can be really intimidating, even folks who are super exper experimental and have done a whole bunch of things are really intimidated by touching themselves in front of their partner. And it goes back to what you were describing, early experiences, those early erotic associations were often tied to shame and secrecy. So I tell people, first of all, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do everything. But if you do want to try it, kind of take baby steps. Maybe you do it in the dark first and you, you just touch yourself under the covers while they're lying next to you. Maybe you do it online from a distance. Uh, maybe you touch yourselves together just for a few minutes and then you, you know, finish off in a in a different way uh, once you get more experienced at it you can really you know play with I'm not telling you anything you don't know but play with like <laughs> the power right so you can play with having them instruct you as to how you should touch yourself and maybe you play with deprivation or control or power there's there's just so much there and I think the big thing here is that masturbation is it's for everyone right it's for all genders all sexual orientations all ages all relationship statuses and and more and, and, and a, an important part of self-care, just like yoga, running, reading, napping, and I'm always trying to kind of give it that, that precedence in that way. So Dr. Jess, thank you so much. Where, where can people learn more about lube and toys and masturbation? Well, I work with Astroglide, so definitely check out Astroglide's account and I'm Sex with Dr. Jess on all social media. Beautiful, Dr. Jess, thank you so much for being a part of our show tonight. 
My pleasure. Great to see you and Be hear well, from take you. Take care. To learn more about Astroglide and what products are right for you, visit astroglide.com. Love line. We'll be right back. Love line. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. All right, we're back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Gliding into the DMs. This one's to say, Dr. Chris, I have an 11-year-old son, Charles, who wants a phone. Bum, 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 bum. It may be time to get him a phone. However, I just don't personally feel ready. It may not even have anything to do with him. How can I get over the fear of my internet for the child? Well, it's understandable you have some fear. So I don't think it's about getting over our fear. I think we need to. What you then choose to do about that fear is another thing. But yeah, the internet's an interesting place. There's a lot on there, you know, and people do take advantage of it. Um, and your son now has, with, with, you know, with access to internet will come in contact with a lot of things that prior generations didn't have to. That's not necessarily bad. You know, current generations are a little more mature and a little more intelligent because they've had access to more, you know? And remember, access to something isn't necessarily permission giving either. Just because someone encounters something online doesn't necessarily mean they they step into it and do it or become it, right? Sometimes it's just experiential and educational. So I think some of the fear is unwarranted. And I think some of it's very warranted and that's okay, be fearful, but decide how you wanna live. We don't. We can be afraid and decide we're not gonna live from it and say, I'm gonna do this anyway, because we have choice. We have choice over every decision we make and we don't have to honor our feelings. We often step into anxiety and fear, you know? So I'm not gonna tell you whether or not 11 is the right age. I don't know. I don't know your son's maturity, you know, and I don't know how involved you'll be, but I would say if you're going to give a child a phone, be involved. Let them know you're gonna share the phone. Let them know you're gonna have access to it. Not as a punishment, not because you don't trust them, but because you wanna be a good parent. And that means being uh, being a part of 
their experience of what they encounter. You want to be there to talk about what they're looking at, what they're seeing. You also want to take loving, teachable moments so they can learn boundaries and self-protection, right? Because that's part of what having a cell phone requires. And being a good parent is being involved. Not every website or IG account is for children. I had a good friend who said that, Amber Rose. She was like, my page isn't for kids. Be a good parent. Make sure your kid's not on my page. I'm not going to watch what I post in service of making sure children don't see it. You're an adult. Be aware of what your kid's doing. Don't just hand them a phone and let them run off. So I think giving a child a phone is you have control over when they have and what they're looking at lovingly so they can learn. You sit down with them when they have it and you take it back when they don't. Maybe you give it to them if they're going to go outside so they have safety. I don't know. You decide. I'm not a parenting expert, but... I, I think that the fear is necessary, makes sense. I think we don't necessarily have to live from the fear. And I think it's important for you to be a, a, a really involved person in their use of the phone so they can understand and, and also learn boundaries and communication and avoid certain pitfalls. A lot of things can happen, you know? So I appreciate the question. I think parents are nervous about a lot of things. The internet, again, has introduced children to a lot of things, but often it's that the parents aren't ready to have to talk about these things, and you have to. And generally, at some point, it always becomes about sex. I'm afraid the websites they'll go to. Why? Sex-based, right? It's, that's usually what it is. Or conversations. Why? Sex-based. And so, yeah, part of this means you have to talk to your 11-year-old about sex. And you should be talking to your kid from birth in age-appropriate ways about sex. The minute they're born, we start talking about it in different ways. And here's another time. If you want a phone, you have to be willing, you say to your child, to talk to me and to involve me in what comes up, you know? But this is where you get to bond, right? This is where you get to share what you've learned. And you might need to do some work on your own beforehand. You know, there's a lot of great resources out there. Sex Positive Families is one of my favorite. Go on there. Learn how to talk to your kid about sex. Learn what the wording is. Learning the age appropriateness. Go on that site. It'll hold your hand through. But that's part of it. Because people's fears about the internet and phones are usually tied to sex. Always. You know? And so now that now you have an opportunity to talk about it. All right, that is that. Um, coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to be spending the whole session, the whole session, the whole show, talking about eating disorders because it's National Eating Disorder Awareness Month. So we're going to talk about toxic diet and toxic gym culture, right? Ways to also participate in building a healthier relationship with your body, exercise, and food because it's um, it's an issue and it affects every gender. So we will be looking at how the male gender is impacted by that because some people think that men don't have eating disorders and oh, they do. So we talk about that. Uh, hope you spend the rest of your night focusing on self-care, tons of joy and pleasure and as much rest as possible. If you want to check out past episodes of Loveline, you can do so by going to wearechannelq.com. Scrolling down, you'll see a love line. Click on it. They're all there. And if you got a DM for us, drop it in our Loveline IG page, which is also where our question of the night lives in the stories. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out and you enjoy the rest of your night. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 